You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. World Talk Radio. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Climate Hour, The Power of Water, Global Warming, and Your Health. Many people did not realize that the global warming has been happening since the beginning of time. And the climate has changed, and life is changing on the globe. It's getting drier. And uh, people need to learn to be more proactive. And what this show is all about each week, and people have taken time away from their patients and their life and what they do and their occupations to teach us about how to take better care of ourselves. Now, we each need to learn that we're living with the Earth. The Earth is going to be on its own. And we don't want to be Mars. We don't want to be any planet that maybe looks like it became extinct because something went wrong. They didn't plan on how to live with the planet they were on. The Earth planet, the planet Earth exists with water. The mountains, the streams, the rivers, the uh, lakes, the water that you have on Earth is what gives you the ability to live. You're made up of water. You're made up of 60 trillion cells, and in each cell, there's a little bit of water called a molecule. Like one of our doctors who was a guest on our show, that's a galaxy. You are a galaxy. You're made up of water, but we must live on the earth where there's moisture in the air, the kind of moisture we don't see, that our bodies can live to be healthy, detoxify, learn to be absorbent with the water. But guess what? If you're not drinking enough water and you don't have enough moisture in the air, that's what causes a lot of symptoms. You're not detoxifying. So remember those children around the world that don't have a choice? I read in the Wall Street Journal last week, the Italians drink a lot of water. The French drink the second most amount of water. But the Americans in the United States of America are not drinking enough water. Well, we know what that might be. A lot of soda, a lot of vitamin drinks, a lot of flavored drinks, teas and coffees, but not plain water. So try to learn today what we're learning on our show each week about the power of water and your proactivity of your health, you personally. Today we have Dr. Stephen Guggenheim with us. I'm really pleased that he could take some time from his patients and join us. And I'm going to have him tell you about his background. And then our second guest, we're going to be discussing a lake that has been diminishing in uh, one of our countries of the world. We'll take a moment from our sponsor, sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist for Dry Eye, to supplement your eyes for that natural moisture that is so important your eyes. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. 
Or if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Well, today our guest is Dr. Guggenheim, who is in Texas. Are you with us, Dr. Guggenheim? Yes, I am here. Thank you. I know how busy you are, and uh, today is very, I wanted to really learn more and our audience learn more uh, about the skin, and that's your field. But first, before we talk to them, let's let them get to know who you are and what you've done and, and you, what you have um, specialized in. Well, I have specialized training in facial plastic and reconstructive surgery, after doing a residency in otolaryngology and head neck surgery, and I did some specialized training in laser facial resurfacing, and I've done a lot of work with facial skin related problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I have known each other for quite some time, and we have all discussed that people did not and have never been educated enough about the skin. And today, before we begin to l- learn more from what you can teach us, Let's talk to our listeners about how important the organ of the skin is to our bodies and our functioning so they can learn summers coming here in America and different parts of the world. There's, the climate has changed. How important is it that we learn more about the skin? Well, it's, it's very important from the point of view of our skin is our most protective organ. Actually, it protects us from our environment. It also has to survive our environment and live within the environment and uh, our environment certainly has changed over the last several years, whether it be hundreds of years or just last 20 or 30 years in terms of what we're exposing our skin to. And we close our our body fairly well and we protect ourselves from the sun's rays, but our, our face certainly seems to take the brunt of things. We get a lot of ref, reflected rays from the ground. Uh, we're outdoors a lot more. We, we do a lot of more outdoor activity and we're more sun conscious at this point than we were back in the 80s when people started to worry about uh, skin disease and sun-related skin health. Um, also, because of the ozones and we have better penetration, actually, of certain rays of the sun, some of those are good for tanning, but on the other hand, they're also good for causing aging of the skin and breakdown of the skin elements as well as potential for uh, skin cancers. What do you think about, and you've heard me discuss this before, about insulated windows and walls and indoor conditions where there is no moisture in the air any longer. And people spend so much time indoors because of their occupations, their work, and their sleeping. Uh, What can a person do when you're indoors when it's so dry? Well, our, our, our environment is so manufactured these days anyway. When we're indoors, we manufacture a, a heated environment during the winter and a cooled environment, and all these do dry out the, uh, the moisture content in where we're living. And our body likes 50, 60, 70% humidity. Our skin thrives in those humidities. People who live in those climates uh, closer to the equator, actually, they have a lot more uh, humidity in the atmosphere, and their skin does well there. When you see people who moisturize their skin, their skin looks and acts better. So adding moisture to the skin, like you said, good hydration is good, but even in the environment that you live in, uh, hydrating the skin is worthwhile. Yes. Now, uh, the one thing people have to learn too, doctor, and maybe you can explain this because I've mentioned it on the show with some of the other doctors, is that if you're in the right moisture in the air uh, locations, 
that your you, uh, the skin will detoxify better. In other words, it won't back up the toxin. It allows it to be supple and allow the toxin to remove. A lot of people don't realize that you actually um, detoxify through the skin more than we're flushing the toilet. Uh, can you explain to our audience about when the skin detoxifies and what happens to the skin when it holds back that toxin and it doesn't have that moisture in the air to be supple? Well, if, if we're exposed to a lot of different things other than just the humidity also. We're, we have a, a number of chemicals in the air that can can essentially affect the skin. And once we get that in the skin layers, we get a, a dulling of the skin, we get a thickening of the skin barrier, and we're preventing some of the stuff from getting into us. On the other hand, by thickening that barrier and not having a good supple moisture to the skin, we don't let our skin shed in a normal fashion. Our skin is supposed to essentially rejuvenate itself from the bottom up to the top, and we shed off our dead surface layer. And if if we're extra thickened, we can't do that. And part of that shedding gets rid of, like you said, different parts of our body makeup and chemistry that we're normally supposed to get rid of or detoxify. And if we don't shed it in a normal fashion or normal manner, not only does our skin look bad, but we feel bad. Our skin feels bad, and we trap different things in these skin layers that uh, shouldn't be there. And Again, we're in a manufactured society and a manufactured environment. We weren't in that 100 years ago. We were outdoors, and, and we were around uh, a fresher environment, let's say. Yeah, not all the insulation and forced air heating and cooling and the chemistry and fabrics and carpeting and furniture. Exactly. Because that is a dehydrator. Now, uh, recently um, we had a doctor on sponsored by Johnson & Johnson who had the infant C, and he said that the more, moment you're conceived and you begin to form in that water bag, your eyes are connected to the brain. Now, let's say what is happening to the skin. Your body is in that pocket of water, doctor, and you're in that water for that nine months and you entered in the air we breathe, uh, the audience. I wanted to learn with a real serious, don't, let's pad this, that when you enter the, in the air you breathe and you are no longer protected by that water bag, you begin to dehydrate. How do we take care of our skin? Because um, we don't always have the tools or the choices. What are some of the recommendations uh, before we get into some of the things you're going to be teaching us what you're doing? What are some of the recommendations a person can take care of their skin um, that's out there? Um, they, they may be some of those little tips so people can learn how to take better care of the skin with hydrating or and and what what are they what are they going to do? Uh, are they going to drink more water? Are they going to take a shower? Are they going to take a bath? Uh, so uh, some of the lotions and the potions may be a little harsh. They may be applying them too heavy. What about sunscreen? Tell us a little bit about your knowledge and some of those tips that people forget about. Well, our, our skin does adapt to our environment, and and like I said, if we're in an environment that we're exposed to a lot of different chemicals or a lot of sun. We, we will thicken and our skin will change, but what happens is we do dry out our skin a fair amount. And when we dry it out, we certainly build up a, a dead surface layer. Uh, some of the different chemicals that we use nowadays for skin improvement, uh, some are done through estheticians' offices, some you can get over the counter, and some through doctors' offices help uh, rejuvenate that outer layer of skin by getting off the dead surface layer. Moisturization is, is good, keeping the skin supple and uh, trying to limit the amount of 
dead, what we call keratinocytes, which is that outer skin layer, the dead surface skin to a minimum. One, it keeps our skin cleaner. Now, soap and water are great for cleansing from a bacterial standpoint, but they're very harsh on the skin, actually. And it would leave a film sometimes if we overuse it. Yeah, and uh, non-soap cleansers actually do better than those that are soap derivatives. And then uh, keeping a moisture barrier. Now, we want to keep moisture in our cells, and we want to avoid evaporative loss of moisture. In other words, drinking a lot, um, a, a lot of water. In fact, over the week, uh, I was reading in the Wall Street Journal where the Italians drink a lot of water, the French drink the second, but the Americans don't drink a lot of water. They think they do, yeah. but drinking water is the key to slowing your aging and uh, and assisting some of those symptoms that may be weaknesses to your body to give the oxygen and, and dehydration to giving you the t- detoxification, but... Uh, do you find with a lot of your patients, uh, what they said in the Wall Street Journal, the Americans are not drinking as much water as they think they are. Uh, do you find your patients uh, not drinking enough water? That's probably true because we do. We substitute it for things that are, are more caffeine-based or sugar-based drinks, and we don't get the, the same benefit. One of most of the caffeine-based drinks actually dehydrate us. People don't realize it, but they drink sodas and coffees and teas, and the caffeine acts like a natural diuretic, which actually pulls fluid out of our system. And, Doctor, is it possible that sugar is doing that, too? Because look at all the sugar that's in all these, uh, and even artificial sugar, they've said they've had a lot of new evaluation on the artificial sweeteners uh, for people. Isn't that a dehydrator, too? Well, it certainly has an effect on, on skin and cellular health, uh, with the amount of sugars we're putting in our body, we're putting stresses on our on our you know insulin systems, and there's a lot of chemistry that goes on in the in the skin layers and keeping the skin healthy and that basal layer that produces the new skin cells. If you don't have a a good healthy system, you're stressing it with extra sugar. You're certainly going to put you know you're, you're missing out on vitamins because of some of these things. You're missing out on on natural health. I mean, there's a lot of good natural sugars in fruits and vegetables, and we're putting in these processed and artificial sugars that probably aren't doing our body any good. So our, our skin health suffers just like other cells in our body are, will suffer. Mm-hmm. Let's, t- uh, let's talk about some of the things that you've been doing in your uh, treatments uh, that people would be fascinated with. Uh, you're doing a lot of new different techniques in uh, and I want to learn uh, let's t- teach them a little bit more about what's going on in some of the different skin treatments. Well, this probably back in the the early part of the 90s or the late 80s Retin-A came about and everybody kind of heard about Retin-A and that was a vitamin A derivative that uh, essentially revs up our skin engine. It ta- takes our skin where it starts at this lower skin layers and it revs it up and turns it on so we can actually create a kind of a healthier, better cell from the bottom up and it sheds faster. We get rid of that dead surface layer over time. So Retin-A was kind of the, the starting of all this. And then came other types of treatments. The next one was something called glycolic acid. And there are other acids out there, too, that people use. A lot of glycolic acid is now in cosmetics. Uh, some are over-the-counter and there's some that are marketed called cosmeceuticals 
They also have things called salicylic acid and trichloroacetic acid. Now, what does that do to the skin uh, when they're applying? Let's say it is in a cosmetic ingredient. What is it doing? Is it plumping up the skin and trapping that more moisture to back it up? How does, how does that work? Well, the glycolics uh, and most of the others that are these type of acids, they actually break down some of the skin bonds that, that hold the skin cells together, but they don't penetrate fairly deep, so they just essentially break down surface that outer okay. dead surface layer. And uh-huh. when they do that, um, you do d- develop some moisture loss problems also because that is a, that is a, a moisture-containing barrier and you're breaking it down, so you do have to rehydrate the skin because of it. Um, but what it does is it, it turns our body on to uh, creating these new skin cells. Mm-hmm. Our skin cells are supposed to kind of recreate themselves every 10 to 14 days and kind of they migrate from a bottom layer up to the top layer and shed off. Well, when they get trapped on top and they don't shed well, we kind of slow down the progress. These, by shedding off that layer, it stimulates that bottom layer to start bringing new cells up to the top and it gives us a healthier appearance to the skin and a, kind of a, a less wrinkled appearance, a kind of a fining and a smoothing of the skin. And if you hydrate the skin, yes, it will hold the, the moisture better. Because now you now, don't I'm going to ask you there, you know, now, something came through my mind as you were talking. You know, we have a whole body of skin. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, and I know you and I have talked about this before, the evaluation of having a bath in the tub ever so often not just a shower all the time. Uh, what is your evaluation? Because then you can get your skin in the bathtub, and it, it opens the pores, and it and it gives you a cleansing, a detoxification of a treatment like a spa. But if you only take a shower, it will only rinse you. Now, you, uh, what, what, you need to do ahead. some vigorous rubbing to get that surface layer off, and, yeah. and that can be harsh on your skin, too. And when you take a shower, you, certainly you, you get that biggest rubbing in a bath because you're soaking it. I think you certainly do clean your skin and get rid of some of that surface layer. And what's We don't know how much of this toxin or how much of this chemical, you know, our body pulls it out when it pulls out these dead skin cells, just like right. when our nails grow, we pull out all our dead skin tissue and uh, other toxins, everything kind of gets out of our body one way or the other, and we're just helping it along. So bath once in a while certainly is helpful, and if there's a way to trap the moisture from that bath, you don't want to, you don't want to get to the point where you're overly wrinkled and overly saturated with water in your skin. Like, in other words, not, well, not just lay in there for a long right. period of Everybody time. Everybody knows what happens when we lay in the tub too long. Exactly, but if you take a quick bath... Mm-hmm. Commonly, it'll detoxify you and then get out and use a nice uh, lotion to kind of trap that moisture in so you get the rest of your body, not just the complexion. Um, did you know, uh, I, I know you know, um, I was reading recently where they're using the skin on the face, the complexion, as a security. Uh, you know, when we had our fingerprints and they could use the eyes, now they found that there's no two skins on the face alike. What is the explanation to that uh, Nobody knew that until just recently. They're using it for security to get into doors, uh, through doors, and, and, and checking people to identify them as the skin on the face. What's the difference on the skin on the face and the rest of the body? Well, I'm not sure I know why they're using the skin on the face for security. I know they've done a lot with uh, facial recognition programs on computers, but 
the the skin of the face is is so different compared to let's say our hand and our feet and our knees there's not a, a lot of mobility in the skin of the face it's just it's there for covering an appearance more than it is for a mechanical function like the skin on our fingers to give us, you know, gripping power, the skin on our feet for walking power, the skin around joints that has some mobility to it. Since we don't have a lot of mobility other than at the jaw and the neck, most of the skin of the face is, is, is subtly moves with the little muscles we use when we make our facial expressions. So there's not a lot of forces on that skin. So it's a, it, it goes through different stress than those other forces that are on our bones and our joints. Okay, now the, the, some of the techniques that you've been using lately that you've discussed on uh, the techniques on the skin for, to slow aging or take some of those layers, what are some of the latest things that are being used that are safe? Well, um, there, there's certainly a number of the cosmeceutical-type uh, medications. Uh, there's some antioxidants. that In the past, people tried to use a lot of vitamin C-related uh, creams and lotions, and uh, they had some problems with that. One, it probably didn't penetrate as well as we could get it to penetrate. And number two, it was probably harsh on the skin because of the vitamin C acid. It was, a lot of people couldn't tolerate it. Um, now there's some others. There's some antioxidants. One's called uh, idobinone. I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, it's out there in cosmetic form, and uh, it may yeah, help some of the aging. What it- yeah, what's happening with Botox? A lot of people, that became a rage for a lot of people. You know, Botox you... is still fairly uh, popular. It it lessens the movement of the small muscles of the face, the ones that when we cringe and we uh, kind of squint, we form little lines and wrinkles around where our skin folds, especially so around So what is it eyes. doing? Is it plumping up the skin in that one particular layer to plump it? Uh, to be able to, and how long would that last? If, let's say you have a Botox treatment, how long does it normally last? Well, the Botox actually makes those small muscles relax, so you can't okay. squint as hard, you can't okay. wrinkle your nose as hard. I see. So those those lines don't show as much, and just natural gravity relaxes the skin there. It lasts probably four months to six months at the out, outside, but four months is about normal. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Doctor, and uh, when we come back, I want to hear about some of the other things that are coming along since Botox, how to slow aging. Uh, We'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. We have Dr. Stephen Guggenheim, uh, MD, with us today, and we're discussing the skin. And before we listened to our sponsor, we were talking about some of the treatments like Botox and some of the different applications that are being used. 
uh, let's say, to slow aging or for a healthier skin. Dr. Guggenheim, what are some of the latest things? You were telling me recently about something you were very excited about that you've been using. Well, a lot of these uh, try and turn back some of the signs of aging. Um, I've been using Thermage treatments. That's been out recently. It started back in about 2003, and I think they've progressed to a pretty good treatment. It, it uses a, a way to how generate do you spell, How do you spell Thermage? T-H-E-R-M-A-G-E. And they can find that on the web if they want yeah, to look it up. www.thermage.com. Okay. Uh, it, it generates a heating treatment to the deeper layers of the skin and even some of the layers just below the skin. And if, if it's done in a correct fashion, it tells your body to turn on some healing forces. And part of that healing forces tries to rejuvenate some of the collagen and tissues that are supportive to the skin, and so it makes your skin look and feel healthier. Now, uh, when you're heating uh, the skin, what 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 is the what does it look like when it's doing this? Is it like a lamp? Uh, uh, it's what, actually how... it's a, a a small probe that fits on the skin. It has okay. a cooling portion where it sits on the skin, so you don't burn the skin. Mm-hmm. It actually uses a type of an, an electrical um, transfer of energy to that deeper layer, so you you get a heat feeling with a coolness on top, and it gets red for a. 10 or 15 seconds, and then it goes away. And you mm-hmm. treat, you can treat the face and the body, and it does a, a kind of a, a healing process. Our body has a lot of collagen in the skin layers, and it has different ways of supporting the skin from some of the tissue just underneath the skin. And as we age, those skin, uh, the things that hold our skin in good position, they become kind of lax and loose, and that's why some of our skin wrinkles and some of our skin seems to sag. And our body thinks of this treatment like it thinks of some of the other treatments that we do as a way to stimulate our body to rebuild some of that collagen and some of the uh, strength in those uh, layers that hold the skin tighter and make it look better on our, you know, on our body. So we're now, that particular treatment, excuse me for interrupting, because mm-hmm. I know the audience might have in the back of their minds any questions I might even have. That particular treatment with my field, water therapy and hydrotherapy studies, and the molecule, is it might have more an, of an ability to nature-wise go in and kind of supple, give a supplement to nature uh, commonly uh, and, and in a way that and I don't want to tell the world it's safer, but it sounds like it's more of a natural method to be able to slow the aging and kind of give it a little uh, trick, let's say trick it a little bit, uh, by going in and electrolytically providing it a a humidity effect below the skin? Well, again, I don't know if we know the exact scientific basis. Uh, We certainly are tricking our skin and some Mm -hmm. of the cells in our skin to think it's going through a kind of a healing process. Right, and, and we're we're trying to tell it to think of maybe we've had a tiny injury to the skin mm-hmm. over time, and our skin becomes loose and somewhat dull, and we're tricking it into feeling like it's rejuvenating itself. And when I talked to you about it, doing it, where we're doing an eye treatment like this, and I thought uh, one of the things that happens during the eye treatment is we don't blink as much as we should just because we're doing this treatment around the eyes and our eyes get kind of tired and dried out and certainly using something like the nature's tears 
I thought would be a good treatment for this type of uh, eye treatment just because we don't blink our eyes as much and our eyes get very not irritated, but just going to, you have to do this for about an hour's worth of treatment where you use these little probes on the eye. And can you imagine holding your eye open or shut for an hour and doing a treatment? And what it does is similar to staring at a computer screen for an hour straight. Now, what about uh, the nature's mist, the face of the water, with that particular one? Because you're going in and you said you're changing it, uh, you're, uh, you're tricking it, you're giving it a, a temperature change to give it a, an, another oxygen. Uh, nature's mist uh, to, uh, to hydrate uh, afterwards or before. Has that ever been thought of? I don't know if it's been thought of. I'm, I'm always a big proponent of the hydration theory anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think any time that we uh, put a little shock to our skin system, and I think all these treatments do a, a shock it, and that's part of a, the, the mysteriousness of our body and how it heals itself, this shock turns on this healing phase. Right. And uh, during that healing phase, we need everything we can, good fluid hydration, taking in a lot of water orally, you know, treating our skin well when we're out in the sun, wearing sunblocks and sunscreens. Uh, anything, even the hydration to the skin, should help in that healing phase that we're going through. Certainly, this device, the Thermage, was somewhat mimicked on how a laser would tighten the skin of the face. Uh, lasers came out in the early 1990s, and would burn away layers of skin and heat the deeper layers of skin to the point where it would cause your skin to start to rejuvenate. And we use lasers, and it's, they're still being used uh, a fair amount. There's new types of lasers that have less irritation to the skin that was seen previously, but all this dries out the skin. It desiccates the skin because it does burn the skin. Here you're just heating it so you're not doing as much of a burn, but certainly... You know, anything we do that, that, that irritates the skin would, would How much do those treatments cost, Dr. Guggenheim? Uh, let's say the thermage. Is, is that a little less expensive than some of the others? Oh, yes. It's, uh, there are two, two benefits. It's probably a third or less of uh, a standard facelift-type surgery or laser-type surgery. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't create a, a big wound to the face, a big irritation to the face. It's a very subtle irritation that may be red or irritated for a couple hours versus several days. We have a lot of men listen to our show. What, do, are men getting into Have you noticed that more men are getting uh, going in for these kind of treatments if there's not an extensive time involved and maybe not as uh, uh, time, not only time-consuming but not as... Uh, in other words, they can feel that they don't have to go back as often. Do you find more men coming in for the thermage than you would for some of the other treatments, or have you had the men come in yet? Well, I, I think I've treated one or two with the thermage. I think in the long run it is more open to both men and women versus some of the other cosmetic treatment. There's such a lot of downtime and healing time and time away from what has to get done. Unless you're retired or you can take a lot of time off, some of the other treatments are very uh, you know, time-sensitive. Um, I was I was uh, looking at another type of laser that's out there called fractional laser treatments, and I think it does a great job for turning back some of the aging signs of the skin, but you have to treat someone sometimes three to four times every three to four weeks, and you get a red irritation of the skin that lasts two to three days, and you have to put up with that. It, it, it gives you a good result, I think, but on the other hand, it, it does have downtime associated with it, so people have different concerns about how much time they can utilize 
You know, I have always been sorry in all my years to study that the word aging, um, because people should take care of their skin and then on the complexion. Uh, because we just found out there's no two complexions the skin alike. Where more commonly do you find skin cancer? Oh. Is it on the face or is it other parts of it? Where is more commonly do we find skin cancer? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm tuned to the face because of what I do, so I, I see right. a significant amount on the face area. We, our, our most prominent areas of our face are our brows, our nose, our cheek and chin, and we get a lot of reflected sun to all those areas also from the ground. And most people in the past wore pretty sturdy clothing that would protect them from the sun, except for sometimes on the top of the hand. So the back of the ears also get a fair amount of sun. So that's where I see most of the skin damage and skin cancers. A lot of fishermen and outdoorsy people, uh, and they forget uh, that that little spot might be a skin cancer. What What is your recommendation, let's say, to the men who are listening or anyone listening that are outdoors a lot? And they what what type of signs would it be that they would see that they have a, they've been ignoring uh, what might be a skin cancer that they should have checked? What, what does it look like? Well, if you have a crusty or scabby area of skin that bleeds occasionally and then falls off and heals and then it comes back again. Um, these are the there's three main types of skin cancer. The most common is called basal cell and it sometimes looks like a tiny little raised pearlish piece of skin and sometimes has some red blood vessel looking streaks in it. Uh, squamous cell is a little less common but it, it gets more of a rough or crusty area and it may bleed easily if you pick it off and then it heals again and it comes back and then the melanoma type we've talked about before that's the most dangerous of all the skin cancers it, it's a, a dark spot that changes in size or becomes irregular or bleeds or, or has different colors to it or, or enlarges rapidly and so. uh, don't pick at it you know, a lot of times when people have a little spot or a bump, it's like a blemish, uh, they'll pick at it. And don't just go see a doctor immediately. Don't be poking at it or picking at it. Uh, Better to have, have it checked, it. right. Exactly. We had Dr. Rasmussen on here, uh, Richard Rasmussen on not long ago, and it was just fabulous what he was teaching everyone uh, about some of this. And as you know, melanoma of the eye has become very uh, out there. People were shocked that you could get melanoma of the eye, and if you don't get it in time, it is fatal. But is there anything you'd like to educate our listeners about today before we're, uh, we're done? Um, something that you think is very important about skin education, about something that could act, because skin is a life-saving organ, and we need to keep it clean, we need to keep it supple, we need to drink a lot of water, but is there something that you'd like to educate? Well, I think we've done a lot of good research on the sunblocks these days, and I think sunblocks have a, a big part of keeping us healthy and youthful, and we're outdoors, and we're outdoors in a much rougher environment when it comes to sun and chemicals. Uh, I think good cleansing of the skin and good hydration of the skin and good utilization of the sunblocks that are out there, they're, we're certainly able to prevent, I think, a lot of, some, a lot of the aging-related changes, and hopefully we're preventing skin cancers at the same time. Um, you know, it's been drummed into our kids now, and I think our kids are pretty good about it. Some of the adults still don't uh, utilize sunblock as well as some of the children do. 
and if I had to say it, some know, of the sunblocks out there, how do they learn how to read them? Yeah. Uh, because there's so much to choose from, and I have found a lot of people don't understand the differences. Could you educate us about that? Well, I think the way they were tested and originally marketed, the SPF is the sun protective factor. You know, the minimum that someone would ever use would be a 15. Most people are going to a, a 30, and they're trying to do something that has some waterproofing to it so it doesn't sweat off or come off when you get in a pool. And people used to use very small amounts. You actually have to put a fairly thick layer and rub it in quite well. Some of the um, sunblocks that are out there actually have something called titanium dioxide, and that's a, a mineral, actually. It's crushed, very fine powder. You see it in some of the mineral cosmetics. It actually works similar to the old zinc oxide that the lifeguards used to put on their nose, that white. Now they have it in nice colors that blend in to normal facial makeup. And not only do they protect the skin and the sun, it actually helps as a makeup, and it does help trap some moisture in the skin. So if you're thinking about cleaning the skin, you clean with a non-soap cleanser, especially around the face and eyes and you hydrate the skin, and then you put on some good sunblocks before you go outside. Something you just said today that I think the listeners should think about, when you're applying your your sunblock, your sunscreen, don't forget the ears. Yes, very much so. People, back of the neck, the ears. Uh, back of the neck, the ears. Yeah, you get yeah my, uncle, my uncle, who is um, Bob Pritchett, was a Ritter guide for many, many years and um, never had an accident at fishing ever with his guiding. And uh, he retired about three years later, and three to five, and all of a sudden he got very ill, and he had a, a melanoma on the back of his, his neck where you wouldn't see it. And that's something we all have to be able to look around behind the mirror or uh, if, if you're construction, if you're outdoors in sports, if you're out at any time you think you're more exposed than some people, you've got to get somebody looking behind the neck where we normally, um, Dr. Guggenheim wouldn't be looking. And those ears that you just talked about. Um, so apply around the neck, apply around the ears, and apply around the face where it's very much more exposed than other parts of the body. Uh, before we go, I'm going to ask you one more question. Have you heard anything about that new fabric of those new clothing uh uh, manufacturers that are manufacturing clothing that is sun protection? Yeah, I, I think uh, they have a good idea going that they can prevent so certain rays of the sun from penetrating. Uh, I think that will be a big part of uh, the future, future of protecting your skin from the sun. Well, in my studies, I've been uh, noticing that all those chemistries that they're using in our clothing and our fabrics and the upholsteries and the carpeting and their bedding uh, are very, uh, very uh, concentrated chemistries, and those cannot help either. Even if you're never out in the sun, some of that could be very, very uh, dehydrating and toxic, causing a toxin. So, so I think that's a future of itself, uh, thinking about the environment and what everybody should be considering. Now, you're getting warm over there in Texas. Have you had the humidity yet? Yeah, the humidity isn't quite as high as it was a couple of weeks ago when we were raining, but we're going to hit 100 here today, so it's pretty hot. Did you know that Dallas, Texas, has is a has a, is, a, is the second driest eye spot in the country? Nevada, Las Vegas is number one dry eye spot in the United States, and Dallas, Texas, is the second. I wouldn't doubt it because of uh, one one of the, the type of city Dallas is, and uh, just 
the humidity and the changes that go on with the weather patterns. Now, um, I was a guest on one of your, two of your TV stations in Texas just recently on a couple of talk shows, and I guess in Dallas, you're, they've committed to a $2 billion environmental plan in a park system or something to help people be encouraged about the environment and green and moisture. So they're thinking. Well, you have a nice day, and I appreciate you taking time from your, pa- from your patients to teach us a lot about the skin, Dr. Guggenheim. Well, you're welcome. It was a pleasure talking with you. Okay, I hope we can do this again someday. All right. Have a good have afternoon. Have a nice day. Bye. Thanks. Wow. Did you learn something about your skin? Remember, when you were born and you entered in the air you breathe from the pocket of water, you had skin at your, at your surface of your earth. And you must learn that that skin must be supple, it must be clean, agile, and you must take it, never take it for granted. It's that important to you, your health, and your eyes. When the eyelid is open, it is exposed to everything you do every day. If your attitude isn't right, maybe you're not doing something to take good care of your eyes and your skin. So let's learn a lot here. Uh, that water, the power of water and moisture. Moisture doesn't mean the cream. Moisture means water. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and Nature's Tears Eye Mist, which is a supplement for dry eyes, and we all have dry eyes because the air is dry. You've been learning a lot about your environment. And we'll be right back with Art Bernstein, our special guest today. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. You're listening to the Sharon Climate Hour, The Power of Water. Global warming and climate change. Now, global warming has been going on in climate change since the beginning of time. It will change every moment, and it goes in cycles. And as the earth changes, the earth is changing. And let's protect that water. Let's believe in protecting the water. So when the rains come down, don't fight having a reservoir because we don't want to become a planet that doesn't have water for life. And remember, living water, water is life. Art, are you with us? I'm with you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you what you do for us. And oh, you always have a lot of knowledge. And I need people to hear today again. What is your background, and what took you to nature? Because you you dove into nature as a young man. 
Uh, yeah, I have a master's degree in uh, natural resource management from the University of Michigan. I have a bachelor's degree in anthropology, also from the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, and as a young man, you said you loved, you liked, you look at nature, and when other people maybe were looking at something else, you were looking at the nature. Yeah, well, I grew up in Detroit, but my parents would always take us on these trips to the Upper Peninsula and to California, and uh, it just sort of stuck, and that's what I do. I, I, I hike, and I go on little car trips, and I live in an area where if you drive for two hours in any direction, there's something incredible. And you're always writing another book about what you see and what you do with which is the art during sign hiking books. Yep. Absolutely. And they can find them on the web where? Um, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Uh, I have uh, three books in print right now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Hiking the Southern Oregon Cascades and Siskiyous and a book of short stories called Weird Hikes mm-hmm. and uh, a book of uh, four-wheel drive back roads of Oregon called Oregon Byways. Now, have you spent most of your time in Oregon? Have you gone to Washington, to the Olympic National Forest? Have you done anything other than Oregon? I absolutely have. In fact, I spend most of my recreation time in Northern California. Northern California. The Marble Mountain and Trinity Alps Wilderness are are my favorite areas, Uh which is just over today. Today you were going to educate us about something uh, that you thought would be very important to us. The subject matter today was what? Uh, You wanted me to talk about uh, the earthquake in China and the the Yangtze River. That's right. Um, Thank you for doing that because there's quite an education that something happened there. And uh, I guess uh, tell us a little bit about the dam they have there. They have a very large dam, which was one of their first reservoirs of its kind, but it's the biggest. I guess, is it the biggest in the world? Okay, the Three Gorges Dam um, is not the biggest dam in the world. It's not the biggest reservoir in the world. It is the biggest power plant in the world. Okay. And it's going to become uh, bigger in a couple of years. It's not completely online yet. Mm-hmm. It's the, the biggest construction project in China since the Great Wall. And uh, the Yangtze River, it's on the Yangtze River. Uh-huh. And uh, the Yangtze River is 4,000 miles long. It's the third longest river in the world. Uh-huh. It's the longest river in Asia. Uh, it collects a it drains a huge amount of water, and it goes through several huge cities, and it uh empties into the China Sea at uh, Shanghai, which is the biggest city in China. Uh-huh. So now, the, the dam itself is in Shanghai? No, the dam is uh, about right in the middle. Okay. Um, Between uh, Beijing and Shanghai? Let me explain. Where the earthquake was was uh, Sichuan Province, okay? Uh-huh. Now, Sichuan Province is very interesting. It's a, a huge basin surrounded on all sides by high mountains, including the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. And uh, so to the west, you have the high Himalayas. Are you there? I'm here. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I thought I heard a click. Uh, yeah, we have to be careful. Sometimes it can click. Yeah, I know. 
To the west, you have the high Himalayas, and that's where the uh, the Yangtze River starts. Uh, and then it drops down into the Sichuan Basin. Um, but even though it's surrounded on all sides by mountains, the, S- the Sichuan province is subtropical. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the river starts out at 20,000 feet, and then uh, I guess the weather in Chengdu and, and uh, it's just gorgeous. And then the Yangtze goes through the Sichuan Basin, and then it cuts through the mountain range to the east. And then it opens up onto the Yangtze Plain, where all these huge, giant cities are, Wuhan and, and Shanghai and Canton. Canton. Um, where it cuts through the mountain range, that's where the Three Gorges Dam is. And then the, in relationship to where the um, earthquake was at, how far away is that? 500 miles. Well, the earthquake was, I mean, is about 500 miles from the epicenter. Okay, so what are they saying right now um, that is the concern of, of a particular uh, resource, natural resource, that could flood out the cities that have already had a devastation um, uh, because of the earthquake? They're, they're backing up those reservoirs uh, to keep them from flooding. Yeah, well, uh, um, the Three Gorges Dam right now, there's only two dams on the Yangtze, uh, the Three Gorges and a much smaller one right below it. Mm-hmm. But uh, 391 dams were damaged in the earthquake. How many? 391. Oh, my God. So where did the water go? Uh, there's rivers all over. Oh, it hasn't. They were they were probably damaged, but they haven't let loose the, the water yet. One of them was severely damaged, and they're trying to fix it. Okay. Um. But yeah. Um. But the the the, uh, the Three Gorges Dam wasn't materially damaged. These were, these were all on rivers feeding into the Yangtze. Okay. So uh, in, in Hubei and in. Uh, in Sichuan. Mm-hmm. Those are the two provinces. Now, what is the latest you've heard about what they're doing to try to keep those from uh, causing any flooding below if there should be any uh, leakage or uh, any complete damage to where it doesn't yeah, get well, out? one dam that was very severely damaged and is in danger of breaking, and they're just scurrying like mad to fix it. Also, what happened is in a lot of places, there's been large earthquakes uh, and landslides that have blocked up rivers. Oh, my. I never thought about blocking yeah, they form up. these little, what they call earthquake lakes. Uh-huh. And, okay, explain uh, that to me. What's an earthquake lake? Well, you have a, a landslide dam, and it backs up the river, and then after a while uh, the river reaches the top of the landslide and goes over the top and washes the whole thing out, and then you get a big, you get, all the water that's backed up just suddenly starts flowing down river in a big flood. I see. Uh, there's a what lake kind in of soil? You're, you, this is one of your think, yeah, special issues, but you may not know the question, and that's you know I don't want to have a leading one. But uh, what kind of soil do you think they have in China? What kind of rock and soil? 
I haven't any idea. They're they're famous yeah. for the uh, L-O-E-S-S, loose, which is which is an alluvial soil, which is... Uh, okay, that's what I'm after. Is yeah, I want Southwest to China is just covered with this uh, river alluvium. So if they had floods, it wouldn't be the first floods they've had. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, it would certainly not. There was an earthquake, by the way, in 1976, killed 240,000 people in China. Oh. Uh-huh. This one is so far 68,000. Hmm. So, I mean, just the number of people in China is just... Well, and the concern I have with, because of my, my dedication and my mission is the fact of what are they doing for water that's safe and sanitary conditions and, and their health uh, in, in those conditions because the, uh, because the earthquake caused such damage. Yeah, well, obviously... There's the... so many and more people. Yes, a lot of people died, but look at how many thousands and maybe a couple of million, millions of people that are affected by, not just right there, but affected all around the edges of where that happened. Well, that's the thing. The Chinese are very much into water conservation, and they can build dams. Uh, <laughs> it's very hard in the U.S. to get a dam built. Mm-hmm. Now, we, so, for some reason, the United States doesn't believe in protecting the water. Uh, yeah. They want, yeah, you've got to have, in fact, There's I don't four more dams sure. under construction on the Yangtze mostly for uh, hydropower and to conserve water. And the, uh, they figure the, uh, the Three Gorges Dam is saving 31 million metric tons of coal a year mm-hmm. that otherwise would have been burned up for, for, to supply power. Mm-hmm. Right. People, I think we have a tendency in our ecosystem to go too extreme. That is my opinion. I have been studying for a long time, but what is an ecosystem? It means that everything has to have a balancing. And to go to extreme one way or the other is not what I believe Earth had planned. It likes to have things balanced. And we have to learn to do that proactively, I know. everything we do affects everything else. Everything we do is like Jerry Barnes said, when you take... uh, who's a genetic specialist, he said you take a plant out of the forest and you move it just a few feet away. And uh, people don't realize that our ecosystem and water is a power. We've got to have water on this earth to have earth last for an eternity. And uh, the people of China, the concerns I had was the, what's happening there, and they're trying very, they want to be environmentally conscious for their life there. And yeah. my concern is here's this horrible tragedy, unplanned. It's like Katrina. That wasn't planned. And yes, we have human uh, errors that we didn't know that that Katrina was happening, and people st- chose to stay there. Uh, people had choices, Art, to leave. They had choices. They were told to leave. People stayed. Yeah. And afterwards, uh, now in China, with the earthquake, there was no choice. It happened. Yeah, it, yeah, it came to them. Um, and, and, and then that is a sad, but that's sad, because people at Katrina could have left. The people in China, they didn't know that earthquake was happening. And yeah, the devastation, are. oh. But, uh, well, I want to thank you for joining us again today. Is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with uh, on something you found about uh, the water in China, or you want to save that for another show? Uh, I could talk more about the Yangtze on another show. Uh, okay, we'll do that. Yeah, this Okay, is very, well, very thank you. Thank you, and you, you take have care. a nice day. Thank you. Beautiful day. Bye. Okay. Well, Earth has a secret. Every 
precious moment. Embrace your life. Don't ever take it for granted. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.